Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Here's your host, Dr. Gillian Aronson. So today I'm in conversation with Annika Bern. Uh, she's a lecturer in the Department of Business Management at Stellenbosch University, and she's also a PhD student. Uh, she's working on a research project titled Management Control Systems in Non-Profit Organizations, a collaboration between Stellenbosch University and the Freya University Amsterdam. Annika, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Now, we're glad to have you. Listen, uh, when people speak in acronyms, then sometimes I switch off. So I've picked up uh, things like NPOs, and sometimes people talk about NGOs. So what exactly is a non-profit organization? What are some of the boxes that need to be ticked for an organization to be that? And what does the sector look like within the South African context? Okay, so yeah, excellent question to, to get started with. So uh, non-profit or NPO, let's start with the acronyms. NPO uh, is for non-profit organizations. Some people prefer to use NGOs, which is just non-governmental organizations. And they actually mean exactly the same thing. So for a non-profit to, to tick all of the, the boxes, they, they first of all have a, a mission to achieve something that will definitely not generate profit. So hence the non-profit side. And there's always a social mission. Um, attached to that. So your nonprofit organizations will go about addressing, especially in the South African context, most of our crucial issues that are not addressed by government or issues that are not completely addressed by government. So we also have a lot of instances where government is trying to deliver crucial medical services, um, health services, educational services. However, they do not have enough resources, and that's also then where nonprofit organizations come in to help carry the load. However, in our context, the load is often so vast that there are still individuals and communities that fall behind. Now, if we look at the growth of the nonprofit sector in South Africa over the last decade, it, it definitely shows us that there's a need for these organizations. So, for example, in 2011, we had 85,000 registered nonprofit organizations. And these organizations register with the Department of Social Development. This registration then allows them to apply for funding directly from government, but it also allows them to apply for funding from private organizations and private donors as well. And then now fast forwarding to 2020, we now have over 220,000 registered nonprofits. So this is an increase of roughly 140, 150,000 organizations. And then if we take into account that these organizations don't do it for the profit, so that's not why they are in this profession, it really becomes clear that there is a vital need on the one side. And then luckily on the other side, we have a vast majority of individuals with the compassion to want to drive these missions, the mission that the nonprofit organization then, then also stands for. And what's worth considering is that as NPOs act in communities where government and businesses are not able to reach, they are extremely accessible and agile to do so. So on the one side, we will probably speak about their challenges. They have a, a lack of resources, but on the other side, they fulfill such a vital role. 
And it's also estimated that the sector provides over a million employment opportunities, both paid and unpaid, which is a very big role to play in job creation as well. So it's, it's a crucial sector for us. And at this moment, in COVID-19 times as well, it's immensely important that we support this sector. So, so if I hear you, on the one side, there, there seems to be a need, uh, you know, reflecting on the numbers that you just shared, going from 85,000 to 220,000. And, and there seems to be goodwill uh, amongst people to want to make a contribution. But on the other side, I would imagine that there needs to be some strict regulation to ensure that people abide by certain rules. And you've just kind of touched on some of the challenges that they might be facing around resourcing. So, so how do we marry this, this kind of world where there seems to be a need, there seems to be goodwill, you need to regulate it in terms of rules and regulations. Uh, and at the same time, it seems as if there's not enough resources going around. Yes, exactly. And that's, it's such a, a vicious circle, actually. And in the end, I'll, I'll get to that vicious circle. But what I usually like to do is I like to identify the challenges in two main categories. So on the one side, these organizations have very clear organizational challenges and issues which, are, which pertain to the nonprofit itself. But then they also have to face extreme environmental, external challenges. So things that they have no control over and these elements then also influence their abilities to deliver services. Now, if we look at the, the organizational challenges, to name a few, one is always every article on nonprofits will always start with the lack of funding because funding is always a problem. While government can rely on taxes to stay operational and well-resourced businesses tap into financial reserves, nonprofits primarily rely on donations and personal fundraising to ensure their service delivery. And as soon as they lose donations, if they lose donor interests or their own fundraising activities are not successful, then immediately they have that lack of funds and their services cannot continue. So, if nonprofits do not tick certain boxes that are required by the donors, then they decide to donate their money elsewhere. And this then brings me to the second organizational challenge of professionalization. So nonprofits, a nonprofit organization is usually started from the heart. It's literally started from a compassionate idea to help someone, to help a community, and then it usually grows from there. So it does not necessarily start from a business model, which gives you an idea of how to accumulate more funds, which are the correct individuals to appoint, etc. It starts with this compassionate mission and this problem that they want to solve, and then from there, they have to generate the funds. And then what sometimes comes also comes into play is that there's a lack of skills. So even though it's a nonprofit organization, you still need certain business skills to be able to operate this organization because you will still deal with business donors. So you have to be able to think like they do and be able to tick the boxes that they require so that you can actually generate more funds. And then that's the, the vicious circle that I wanted to get to. You don't necessarily have a lot of funding so you can only grow up until a certain point and if you cannot grow any further so become more professionalized have proper financial systems in place have proper transparency um, activities in place 
then you cannot acquire more funds. And if you cannot acquire more funds, you cannot become more professionalized. So it's really a vicious circle that these organizations fall into. And while they are in the middle of this vicious circle, at the same time, they have to help struggling communities. They have to deliver their services. So most organizations actually just live or survive from one day to the next, just to make sure if we can just survive this day, we can move on to the next. And it leaves very little room for growth because on the one side, they lack resources and on the other side, they lack funds. And then secondly, the environmental challenges, while the organizational challenges are going on, they also have to struggle with growing needs. So every community where nonprofits serve, they continue to grow and the, the resources continue to be scarce. So they have that problem. Many nonprofits operate in, in very uh, poor communities, which means there's also safety issues. So I've spoken to a few health-related nonprofits. So they provide crucial services to, to diabetic people who, who suffer from, from diabetes. And when it comes to community unrest, and if there are gang-related issues, then weeks go by where they physically cannot reach their beneficiaries to deliver the services to make sure that they get their medication for whatever problem it is that they have. And this is part of their challenges. And for these organizations, it's not merely a case of, oh, well, we cannot reach them, we'll try again. For them, it's really a concern because they actually feel for these beneficiaries. They have this compassion to help them. And then, of course, donors have the free will to withdraw funds whenever they want to. So there's technically no guarantee ever that you will have funding for the entire year, never mind years to come. So that's always a big struggle. And then government regulation also comes into play. As soon as you register with the Department of Social Development and you get funding from them, they also have control to change your activities. So I'm aware of a few nonprofits who work in specific communities. They deliver a very specific service, which is needed in those communities. But then as soon as they get funding from government, government would uh, prefer that they implement other activities and then they have to scrap their own programs and replace it with government-regulated programs. So it creates a very difficult environment for them to operate in. So, so on the one side, you, you, you have to worry about, in a sense, the competence because that is what the donors want to see. But as you say, on the other side, you know, from the, from the NPO, there's almost this, this will and this need to do things from the heart. So, so how, how do they manage to ensure that as an NPO, you, you don't get vision drift, you know, where you don't allow, let's say, money in a sense to influence what you end up doing. And then you end up doing something that's not true to your heart, but it kind of makes business sense. Yes. So, so how do they- how do they how do they manage that that interplay between in a sense let's call it competence and confidence yes so it's a very fine line that they tread and most of the the organizations that i've worked in some of them have have, have um, outright said that when it comes to that decision of either accepting funds from specifically government or continuing the services that they know are extremely needed in the communities they often choose the services and they they thank government for the opportunity but then they continue to try and raise their own funds which is very very difficult but they approach businesses and they they put in hours and hours of work weekends 
um, holidays to just to try and get more funds so that they can continue with th those services and not have to change due to regulation. So it's a very fine line. And I think most of these organizations do an exceptional job with the resources that they have and the decisions that they have to make. Because for, for most of them, the beneficiaries, the communities, the people, they are at the heart of what they are doing. So they make their decisions based on, on, on that commitment, that social contract that they have with their beneficiaries. So, so the work of an NPO is, is, is it's really about, about making a difference and making a contribution. But we've seen now that with, with COVID and the pandemic, obviously with social distancing, uh, it, it people were unable to offer what they used to. I mean, we've seen many restaurants and, and small businesses that have closed down. What in your view would have been the impact of COVID-19 on, on NPOs specifically? So the impact is definitely uh, a vast one. If we look once again from the need perspective, so the needs have quadrupled and, and have escalated immensely over the last, what, what are we now, day 65, probably the last 60 days. So on a normal day, these organizations play a very important role in their communities. They constantly deliver crucial services. They constantly have to manage m multiple crises that come up. So they are actually very well equipped for COVID-19 in the sense of operating under pressure. But now the, there are millions of additional beneficiaries, people and communities that they have to serve. And the one thing that's interesting, as you said, a lot of organizations now had to close down. So restaurants are still closed. The beauty industry is still closed. Nonprofits who work in specific industries who, are, who were not allowed to work during level five lockdown. So let's say, for example, um, healthcare in terms of, of dentistry or eye care, which they couldn't operate on 100% capacity. They took the time that they now had left over and they converted their activities into collecting funds for food parcels and distributing them as much as possible. So most of these nonprofits took whatever resources they had, never mind the services or the industry that they actually specialize in, and they immediately turned it into something that was very needed during, uh, and now as well, needed during the COVID-19 pandemic. So what's so beautiful for me is that the fear for this virus definitely did not stop them. They immediately switched over into new crisis mode. Because as I said, on a normal day, they are extremely um, experienced in working under pressure. And now, luckily, they have that going for them. But then on the other side, unfortunately, the funds are once again holding them back because I've spoken to a few nonprofits in the last week saying that donors have now decided that they are also experiencing cash flow problems. So one of the first areas, unfortunately, where they cut their, fund, their funding or their, their expenses is donations to, to nonprofit organizations. So on a good day, nonprofits do not necessarily have enough funds. And now it's becoming even worse because donors are starting to hold back their donations. So it's a slippery slope for these organizations to, to keep going, but they are really pushing through. And you can see it in the media showing communities where people are queuing for kilometers on end just to get a food parcel. And these people working hours, days and night to make sure that there are enough soup kitchens going, enough food banks and enough food parcels ready for when the next day come, people show up and they can get these, these resources from them. So, so, so basically what you're saying is that the, 
the, the key words are adaptability and flexibility and being able to respond to the need, but really to be willing to change maybe your focus as the context changes due to, in this case now, COVID-19. So, so maybe to sum up, what, what would you, know, you say is, is the future of the NPO uh, in the South African context? And, and what is it that you hope that your research will bring to the industry to allow them to function even better in the, going forward? So currently, the, 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 the sector, I, I like to refer to the social economy because they address so many of our social and socioeconomic needs. The social economy, there's clearly immense growth. Now, unfortunately, that's a bit stinted with the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic. But in the last couple of years, we could definitely see a growing a relationship or bond between nonprofits and donors. And there are a lot of organizations that are starting to facilitate these relationships. Also trying to, let's say, vouch for the nonprofits and say to these donors, you can support these organizations and you can donate to them. And I can really see in the future that these relationships will grow and these donor relationships and nonprofit support will increase, which is very, very positive. So as NPOs grow, companies will hopefully continue to donate their funds and then they will become more professionalized. From my research perspective, I'm hoping to address that professionalization issue that we spoke about. So, so one of the organizational um, challenges that they face is becoming more professionalized. So having financial systems in place, having proper business structures and control systems in place, which will then hopefully tick the boxes of donors. So one specific part of my research is management control systems and management control systems allows you to integrate all of your activities in such a way that it is interrelated. And then hopefully, if, if you were to draw it in a picture, the outputs are then directly connected to donor requirements so that when donors approach nonprofits or the other way around, the nonprofits can prove that what they do internally is definitely linked to what the donors would like to see, that transparency, and making sure that the donors are then satisfied and based on that satisfaction, they will provide funds for them to grow from there on. Annika, it's been uh, amazing spending a bit of time with you and, and getting a better understanding of, of what the nonprofit sector is and what it could offer. Uh, it's clearly a, an activity that, that allows government or funders or donors to make a real impact in terms of the lives of people. And as you say, it's an economy, social economy that's going to grow into the future. And what hopefully uh, you are doing, and I think that's brilliant in terms of what you're sharing, is, is in a sense marrying the two worlds, the organization and the donor, and through proper management systems, able to connect the dots in between. Uh, so thank you for your time. I don't know if you have a last word that you want to share with our listeners around. No, I'm good. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for the time that you, that you spent with me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.